So Danielle, it's great to have you with us. Thank you so much for carving out space to join us. We've been asking friends, family, leaders that we look up to and admire the same two questions. The first one's rooted in Matthew 16, where Jesus says, you can look at the sky and forecast the weather. Why can't you read the signs of the times? So we're trying to figure out what is the spirit doing right now so we can trade in anything we're up to and jump on board what God's up to. That's the first uh, question. The second one is just personally, what are you learning? Because this feels like a crazy season where we're all being formed and shaped. And we just love, yeah, some nuggets of what you're learning about life, God, the kingdom of God, all that stuff. So first question then, as we look at culture, where do you see the spirit of God at work? You know, um, just little preamble here. The other day I was out for a run and it was getting kind of dark, you know, like a thunderstormy. Yeah. And I was trying to get my run in before the storm. And I was running back and this uh, elderly lady, I was, I was running a wide berth around her because of COVID, yeah. you know. And uh, she took, she had these headphones on. She took her headphones out and she looked at me and she yelled at me look at the sky <laughs> and I actually just felt like God was like it was like that invitation from that scripture to say like yeah. look at this you know look at the sky like look wow. at the signs look at the times like uh, discern yeah. what's going on so it's beautiful um a beautiful question I think a really important one look at the sky uh in terms of the spiritual landscape so I think for me, a couple things. Uh, one, I think nobody has ever had this amount of time to get to what's underneath all the other things. Mm. So I would say there's these conversations, which I think is really disruptive, um, yeah. You know, even if you don't have anything to do, but to actually have the time to think about why you do the things you do and what really matters and what really doesn't matter and what defines you as a human being and mm. what gives you sustenance to get through and what even being a family is and like all the, like I just think all the questions that we spend millions of dollars trying to s distract ourselves from yeah. uh, even asking are being are being brought to the surface right now yeah. and I think even in terms of like this Black Lives Matter movement the civil rights sort of launch of this new movement that we're in right now is part of the fruit of what happens when people have long enough to think about what kind of humans they want to be yeah. and what kind of world we want to live in and you know so i just think there's all of these incredible this is a season of depth and mm. with that comes chaos and panic and sort of an out of controlness so i think we're all yeah. feeling that but at the same time it comes this incredible invitation to get to deeper places with people in a yeah. much in this season in, a, in in ways that maybe we couldn't have even ever imagined yeah so i totally agree we, we were talking in the first part of COVID-19 as a church like you're going to begin to feel personal discomfort as all the stuff within begins to rise up and everyone was it's like this oh I don't like who I am I don't know how to become the person that I want to become all of that stuff and then we moved into something way bigger almost like a global the ills of our age beginning to rise up and it feels like a scary moment as you said it's deep disruption but also invitation into something better into something of the kingdom like practically, how do we turn from the toxicity towards Jesus in a moment like this? Yeah, I think for me, I, you know, I've sort of been trying to practice uh, my own, my own stuff, you know, practice what yeah. I preach, which is like, you know, revolutionary for a preacher. But, um, you know, I've always had this idea of chaos, you know, as this place where the spirit hovered. 
And out of that hovering posture over chaos, so God's not afraid of it. He's not scared of it. He's not like, oh no, what's going to happen? God is hovering over the chaos. And out of that place, he's looking for where to bring life. And the life looks like light and it looks like, you know, simple things and also complicated things at the same time. You know, it looks like expanse. It looks like thinking bigger. It looks like seasons. It looks like change and rhythms. Um, So I think there are these patterns of new creation or recreation that God, well, you you wrote a book on this yourself. You know (laughs) all about it, right? God's making all things new. So I would say that for me, some of that, you know, one is just coming to grips with the fact that I used to tell myself if I didn't have any, you know, pressing concerns, if I wasn't on the road all the time, if I didn't have, you know, all of these things going on, a thousand things a minute, I would pray more, you know, and then, and then, and then it turns out I'm quarantined. I can't go anywhere. Everything's canceled. It turn, turns out I don't pray more. So, <laughs> so it turns out that wasn't the problem after all, you know, and yeah. I think there's a lot of things like I would parent differently if my schedule was different, you know, I would, yeah. and there's all these things where we're like, Oh, I see. It wasn't the tyranny of the urgent. Like that wasn't yeah. the problem. I'm, I'm the problem. The problem's me. Yeah. And so I think just getting to grips with, okay, the problem's here. And then the solution is also here. I need yeah. to get to the things that I said I would do. And, and you know, yeah. there is no simple way. There's no easy uh, way to do this except to set time, you know, to set a timer, like to practice all of those things yeah. that we say we believe and we want to do. And it's just to get to those things um, and to really ask the Lord to help us to, to, to go into that place, to hover over that chaos and to say, show me the way, show me the light, show me, you know, show me where this new creation is starting in me. So even for me, it's just to sit at the time, set the place, yeah. set the pattern, uh, stick to it, get to it, you know, and yeah. do the things that I be, the, live the life that I say I want to live. Um, yeah. Yeah. And obviously there's a deep link, isn't there, between like personal spiritual formation and then cultural formation or renewal. So what's happening individually, like God's inviting us into some transformation that's happening at a far bigger scale. Just sort of name that link then between, let's say, for example, race. It's being exposed. Everyone's talking about it. And the immediate thing is to go to macro, like how can we change structures? And all of that's entirely right. But there's also some individual things we can do to repent, flush, you know, systems and mindsets of discrimination within so that we can be part of the remedy where we've obviously been part of the problem. Like as an individual, what kind of things are you thinking about in terms of how that personal transformation chimes with actually this invitation into cultural renewal and transformation of society at a bigger scale? Well, I mean, proximity is king, you know, it's king of the gospel to proximity. I mean, this is the incarnation. This is the mystery of the way God is. He comes close instead of stays away. And this is true of every transformation, even inside of us, right? Like we want to be transformed in our spirit then God comes close. We need the Holy Spirit to do that. So God comes close. If you want to be transformed in relationship, then the scripture is really clear. Reconciliation is the, and how do you be reconciled? You come close, right? Proximity is always the king of transformational change. And I would say that is true of my own relationships with people who are different, the other, uh, you know, so people of color or people from different diverse backgrounds, people from uh, different class systems, you know, people from different uh, sexual orientation. I mean, it's all the same conversation is we've segregated our lives in the most, in most parts. And so in many ways, this repentance is this beautiful invitation to rethink not only how we think, but to rethink how we live. 
Um, and so for me, that really has just been like having to look at my, now I've been on this path for a long time. So I feel like I've, I've, you know, I've been intentionally working at like, who are, what do my friend groups look like? Where do I invest my time? Uh, like my home, you know, my home group looks like, you know, eight refugees from, from four different countries and my family and a couple other families from our church, you know, and that wasn't by accident. It's not like I just ran into refugees. I started praying for refugees. I started praying for how I could be helped. I started volunteering at a food bank. I made friends with some people. I invited them over and that's how that happens. So I think everything, everything requires some intentionality about, uh, especially with difference because we've been taught that difference is a threat. Uh, And even if it's not a threat, it's super uncomfortable. Like it's not easy. And I think somehow in our, we have this idea, like this utopian idea that, you know, we'll get to a place where, you know, being with people who are different than us will just be such a joy. You know, it'll be just so easy and we'll all love it. And it'll be, and actually it's hard. That's why it doesn't happen. It's hard because there has to be some compromising and some sacrificing of what is easy and normal for you uh, and what you would naturally do. So I think there has to be some just real intentional change in our own lives and our own thoughts. I've, I was challenged a couple of years ago, like, who am I reading? Yeah. And uh, it just have, a, I say to people, have a look at your bookshelf. Are you reading hmm. mostly white? You know, if you're white, yeah. are you reading mostly white? If you're male, are you reading mostly male? Are you, and yeah. white male? I mean, and most, I, I, was, I was at a leadership conference one time and a guy put a list up, you know, a really great leader, one that I really mm. admired until this moment. He just put a list up <laughs> of, of all, you know, of all the podcasts that he said, like everybody should be, you know, listening yeah. and checking these podcasts. And I said to him afterwards, do you realize that every single podcast you listed were all people exactly like you? Wow. They're all white males. You're just listening to one voice over and over and over again in a different form. Yeah. Why do Why do you have any diversity, like even in what you're listening to? Because to be a really good leader, I think, yeah. at least a kingdom leader, requires some diversity of thought even. Yes. So even those kind of conversations, like are we thinking about what's influencing us? Like what have you read recently? Yeah. Like have you read anything that challenges you? Have you read a theologian that doesn't come from it uh, from a Western mindset? You know, like there's some yeah. incredible theologians out there that are so challenging. So those are just some basic questions yeah, to get people started. Yeah. And I want to ask you about awakening because it was, it was years ago. I remember you came over and spoke at a conference we used to run called Retreat Advance. And you kind of had this vivid image of like a spider attacking you and it sent you drowsy. And you felt like there was a kind of prophetic message in you for the church to say like, wake up, wake up. Um, and that message of awakening seems to have like caught traction. A lot of people are talking about it. And interesting right now, people are talking about this moment with regard to race as an awakening us waking up to realize how evil this discrimination is and how systemic it is in, in our society. Like in terms of that prophetic message, like do you see signs of this being a moment of the church being revived and, and waking up? Absolutely. I mean, even just the question that people are asking, like, what is the church? Yeah. What is the church if you can't gather in a building? You know, yeah. what a great question. I mean, like, ta-da! Like, that is the... <laughs> I mean, we should have been asking that question, like we, really, literally, we should have been asking that question like generations ago. Like, what is the yeah. church? Because that, that is a fantastic question. And yeah. so sometimes it takes getting to this place where you can't gather 
you know, which is good news, by the way, in, in church revival history, you know, when you can't yeah. gather, when you're restricted, maybe there's another way to do church, another way to be church, maybe as the people. And, you know, even as I've been speaking to leaders, church leaders, I've been talking about this ministry of absence. Like, yeah. think about Paul, the apostle. I mean, he's the church planter of church planters. The guy's a machine. And one of the features yeah. of the New Testament is every single letter the guy writes is like, I wish I could be yeah. with you, but I can't. And I'm like, it's going yeah. to work out pretty well for Paul, you know, like... <laughs> Right. Yeah. So just this idea of like awakening to like who leads the church. That's a good question. Who leads yeah. the church? Because if you're, if you're leading the church, be like, we're in trouble. Yeah. If I'm leading the church, we're in trouble. Yeah. Like the church yeah. is led by God. The church is led by the yeah. Holy Spirit. So I think there's all this like awakening that's really displacement in some ways. Like we're displacing these norms and yeah. even these roles and that displacement is causing like a lot of angst and a lot of like, yeah. you know, fear, but actually it's one of the most beautiful displacements. Cause if we can get that stuff out of the way, we could actually get uh, God in the right place and the yeah. Holy spirit in the right place. And then God's people, which is the church, of course, God's people doing God's work in yeah. God's way. I mean, this is the recipe that has changed yeah. the world. Uh, so yeah. here we go. Let's do that, you know? And then what yeah. does it mean for, you know, the panic is, of course, we can't control it. We can't measure it, which, again, just speaks way more to our, our idols than it does yeah. to uh, the advance of the church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I felt like the first few weeks entering into this panic, like loss of control. And then realizing, like, you know, these are the stories, let's say, even of the Reformation, where there was this shift of power from the institution into the hands of the people and even that spiritual formation stuff, where the scriptures suddenly, because of the printing press, people were reading scriptures in their homes, and the, and the home became a central place of spiritual formation, and we're seeing so much of that. And I think probably a lot of church leaders are freaking out because they, they're losing control, but could this be the moment where the Spirit breathes fresh life into churches throughout, throughout this nation and across the globe? Yeah, I love that. Final question then, just like, what's the biggest leadership test for you right now? Where are you personally growing most um, through this? Yeah, I think for me, it's the pivot of um, like the digital connection and real life. So like I've been running this, like, you know, offering this way of life called Infinitum for, for years now, probably for about seven years. And it's yeah. just a real simple, like, it's like an open uh, rule of life, you know, an open yeah. order. And uh, it's super simple, but at the same time, it's really intentional. So it's been a game changer for me as a leader. I think you're involved in something similar. Like it's yeah. really game changing when you just get intentional about your own practices. And so what I've been doing in this season and what we've been doing at the Infinitum team is just opening it up to people that want to try it online. Yeah. And now everybody can try it for free online themselves, but we've been trying to do it like together through yeah. the digital community. So we had like an Infinitum 30-day challenge and we had a couple hundred people from all around the world uh, do this 30-day challenge of Infinitum daily yeah. prayers and weekly connections and just trying to practice that rhythm. And I mean, yeah. the, the responses have been so incredible, like just game changers for people, like life-changing moments. Yeah. Like just as they awaken to their own practices, they can do them themselves. And then we're just going to launch the summer of family camp in your own backyard. So we're going to do cool. this like, yeah, so it'll be Zoom. Actually, I'll, I'll send you a link, see if you might want to try it out. But it's basically like, what's everyone doing this summer? Because my kids are like, there's nothing, like it's all gone. <laughs> yeah. And so we were going to do this Infinitum family camp where it was like, again, taking discipleship out of like some segregated, like the church is supposed to disciple my kids. 
Yeah. And we are the church discipling our kids. So, you know, that parents are disciplers. That's yeah. what we do. Uh, so, and just bringing this hybrid of, so there'll be this online connection, but then also there'll be these activities that you do with your own kids and then, yeah, you know, cool. just, and then feed back into this. And then also global, this idea that we're doing this together as a global. Anyway, all that's been just incredibly so much fun and also just so like weird to try yeah. to like harness, but not control. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's been, I love that. Fascinating. Just go through the kind of three postures, the kind of prayer that you say each day as a family. Yeah. So it's surrender, generosity, and mission. And so yeah. we have this body, we use our, we do this body prayer where we hold up our hands and say like, my yeah. life is not my own today. Right. So one of the big things about this revelation for me is that this following Jesus thing is not one thing that I did one time for the rest of my yeah. life. It's this thing I do every day. It's an invitation yeah. every day to, uh, to follow Jesus. Right. So I surrender and then I hold my hands open and we freely receive and we freely give, you know, just yeah. sort of trying to trying to be this generous presence in the world, especially yeah. at this time, which is fantastic. Yeah. And then we hold our hands open, our arms open in a, in a posture of mission and just say that yeah. our lives exist for something bigger than ourselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's just, it's just been a really beautiful thing to, to, yeah, just think globally, think connected, but also think this like, it's basically like small and big at the same time. It's really beautiful. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Danielle, you are such an inspiration and unbelievably grateful for what you're doing, the leadership you bring to the global church. Thank you so much for joining us and God bless.